I just told Richie we rich. Welcome to Monday to Monday. I'm Mike Boyd, and this is a Gallery Media Group podcast focused on the music industry. Every week, we talk to managers, artists, and producers about their experiences, their come-ups, and what's next. On this episode that we recorded over the summer with Doris Munoz, we covered Doris's Miha management company, her Solidarity for Sanctuary series, how she met Kuko, tips on live shows slash touring, and some advice for signing a record deal. Today's guest is a manager for a number of artists, a business owner for Miha Management, an activist with Solidarity for Sanctuary, an industry darling, and an all-around powerful woman looking to change the game up, Doris Munoz. How's it going? Wow, what a beautiful intro. Thank hey. you, fam. That, I'm doing good. You deserve it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about my last 24 hours of crazy travel fiasco. Yeah. I almost lived in the airport for a minute, but, you know, we're here now. Has that happened to you a lot as a manager? Um, Actually, yeah, there's been some crazy ones where it was... Kuko and I, I think we're coming to New York for like the first time ever, actually. And on our way back, uh, we got stuck at JFK overnight. Oh, wow. So we literally slept in the airport. Ooh. Yeah. They gave us like blankets and pillows. They and gave everything. you blankets and pillows? Yeah. We literally like pulled up on the floor. It was that serious? <laughs> it was that serious. Yeah. And we had to, we were originally going to fly in to then leave the next morning um, with the band for like a little Bay Area run. And then we just ended up flying straight into Sacramento and met with the rest of everybody and like had our friends pack a bag for us. And like, it was a thing. Yeah. Wow. It happens. <laughs> well, I'm happy that you made it to New York for Kuko's show tomorrow night. Hey. Even though you missed the show last night. I know. August Eve. I know. Literally, I was going to do two beautiful things yesterday, which is obviously see August perform for her first time in New York. But before that, I got invited to the Queen's 93rd birthday at the UN. Wow. <laughs> I was like, showed my mom and everything, but whatever. Life happens. It wasn't meant that way. Plus it rained yesterday and it was supposed to be on the UN lawn. So. Right. Well, I want to start at the beginning. I know you're you know, from California. I want you to tell a little pe- people a little bit of like where you grew up, like what it was like growing up. Like did your family introduce you to any musicians that changed your life a little bit, like your childhood? For sure. Um, so my childhood's interesting. I was born in Whittier, which is like the last city of East LA. And then we ended up just moving around a ton. Um, is that a San Bernardino? Or? Oh, so I ended up in San Bernardino. So okay. Whittier, went from Whittier to... Hacienda Heights, to Roland Heights, to Laverne, to Chino, to Rialto, to Moreno Valley, and then San Bernardino. So I was in San Bernardino from middle school through high school. And that was like a learning experience, building character, built street smarts, the whole thing. Um, San Bernardino is known for like being like the most dangerous city in California, the highest homicide rate, the highest unemployment rate, the lowest poverty level. Like it's pretty intense. It's been bankrupt for years. Um, so very grateful for that experience, but yo, it was rough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've heard about the city though. When you're growing up there, do you go to LA a lot or do you mostly just stay there? Not really. It felt far removed from it. I mean, it wasn't until high school when like my parents started allowing me to go to some concerts that like I was yeah. able to go to LA for a few shows. But I mean, going back to like my childhood, like I was raised in a family of musicians, but all in the church. So I like, since I was able to talk they just kind of put me into like singing in the church so it was that's how I kind of just grew in like my love for music and it was centered around obviously like my whole family they're all worship leaders and stuff but then it 
shifted a bit with like my parents um introduced me some of the music that they listened to growing up so my dad is like obsessed with the Bee Gees and awesome. bread and like that he was like a Mexican Kelso for sure like <laughs> looked like it too and my mom was really more into traditional like boleros and like Luis Miguel and and Linda Ronstadt mariachi album and that whole thing so then thankfully my brothers really introduced me into like the underground hip hop scene. So when it was the era of like visionaries, beat junkies, Elemento, bus driver, uh, grouch and Eli, like that whole thing, they opened that door for me when I was like in elementary school. And you're the youngest sibling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so so you, I absorbed all the, yeah. 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 My older brother put me onto a lot of music too. That's what they're good for. Yeah. Yeah. You're blessed. <laughs> you're blessed to have older siblings. Honestly, yeah, no, they really like influence a lot of my taste where like my other brother, like his favorite album is Miseducation of Lauren Hill. That's my favorite album. And that's a very formative like body of work for me, um, for both of us. I think like that opened the door to like R&B and Neo Soul and like really understanding like that whole like era of music as well. And like, so that introduced me to like Miss Elliot and Timbaland and understanding how they were a team that powered Aaliyah and all that. My brother was always like, here's all this music knowledge. You're going to absorb all of it. So it was kind of always in me. Yeah. Sounds like it. Wow. So from an early age, your parents encouraged music. Yeah. Like you were, you were playing instruments in the house. Mm -hmm. How yes. many instruments can you play? <laughs> So it's funny because I started singing in the church as a kid and then I got really like anxious and I was like, ah, I don't like <laughs> doing this in front of like the whole congregation. And it was until when I was like in elementary school, like in, I was like eight years old and I picked up saxophone where I was like, I'll just play an instrument in the band. And then my parents can like lay off of me for a second. Um, and like this is like the academic route to do this. So I played saxophone for a few years. And then when I went to middle school, I played violin all of middle school and then I went to high school that was supposed to have like a really good orchestra program but then like somewhere in the middle of that year like transportation issues rose and like I wasn't able to have like a ride to that high school anymore because it was the good high school in the district okay and it was the opposite side of town and that's still um, San Bernardino still San Bernardino it was but it was Cajon High School it was right by the, the Cal State that we have in San Bernardino so that was like my option to actually like have like a decent like uh, educational environment because San Bernardino High School is like pretty pretty lit <laughs> over there. So um, I just ended up switching um, again. And so then when I was a freshman in high school, I ended up having to give up orchestra and come back to San Bernardino High School that didn't have an orchestra program because they weren't funded to do so. Okay. And so then I switched back into choir and then I picked up guitar again. And so... I don't know, like guitar uke is very easy because it just like comes with it. And if you're high school and like in the era when Ingrid Michaelson was popping off, of course, you're going to learn a few ukulele chords. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, guitar, uke, saxophone, violin. Um, and then when you play violin and like you're a part of an IV program, they teach you um, like viola and cello and stuff just to like understand it. So like I understand it, but I can't like can't yo-yo ma it you know <laughs> wow yeah, you play more instruments and have more knowledge about music than than a lot of the artists i meet <laughs> i mean i don't know it was like literally just in my family i don't know it's like that but from my family though it was very expected like you're gonna use these talents to like serve god and like serve the church and like that's like the one path you're going to be on so it was like very different to be like hey mom and dad I actually don't want to do this when it's like kind of like a family legacy to do so I see but do they were they happy to hear when you wanted to start managing 
Um, my mom was really worried about me, actually, because oh, really? you know they're like, like in Spanish, like artistas y las drogas y cómo que te vas a, you know, like meter yeah. en eso and like, um, you know, there's like your, it's like a secular world. Yeah, you know? right, but my yeah. parents are understanding it more now. I think like when I was doing like day to day and tour managing, um, that's when they finally got to really see like, oh, okay, like this is taking her to travel and like this is like making her very happy. Um, but I think my mom was most scared when I started my own business because like I was in between jobs. Right. And I and was this just, is 2017, right? Yeah. This is early 2017. So I was just temping and freelancing and figuring it out. And I got an offer as like an A&R coordinator at a publishing company. And that's cool. I put my heart, I couldn't do it. Oh, I, you turned it down. I turned it down. Okay. And then I was in the middle of an a of a tour marketing coordinator position at a label. And that's the one that I was like, okay, like I think I'm going to do it. Cause I feel like I may be able to balance it with that. And so my mom was like, first of all, really upset that I turned down the first job mm-hmm. offer. And cause like, I just moved to LA. This was my first year living in Los Angeles. And like a few months in, I had lost my, my dream job due to like budget things. And I was like, okay, if my first lesson in this industry that like nothing is really set in stone, you have to make it your own. And what was your dream job? Uh, I was working as a day to day and tour manager for a, like a, for a pop artist. And it was like my first time um, traveling like that. Oh, okay. And like okay. really being like working directly with an artist has always been like my, like when, no, it's always been actually because it shifted. But when I started interning more and understanding like the context and like fabric of this industry, I was like, okay, I think I'd be most useful, most fruitful in this space. Because I feel like I understand it the most and I can be like, can communicate to artists and like the industry alike and be able to right. have that balance. Yeah, and you like, talk to both sides. I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. And so when that went away and my mom was like you just moved to LA now you don't even know how you're gonna pay your rent I was like I'll figure it out like I always do I'll figure it out I was doing coat check I was putting up posters for different uh, venues I was handing out flyers after shows I was running the door I was selling things yeah. <laughs> I was figuring anything out and so when I started Mika, that was one where I just had to explain to my mom like this is like a side thing but then when I decided to not move forward with another full-time job just to treat Kuko and Miha like a full-time of what it deserved, that's when my mom was really worried. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, how? what's what's the paycheck that's going to pay your bills? I was like, you taught me better than that. Like, my, my mom was like a little entrepreneur too because she had to. Yeah. Um, and she was doing like pyramid scheme after pyramid scheme because <laughs> like they prey on the undocumented community. Right. Okay. Because it's like you don't have to have a social security number to, to do that. So I always saw my mom hustling. Like always like in these like, like multi-level marketing companies like Princess House and the Kitchen Fair and Mary Kay and Avon and friggin' Amway, um, literally anything you could think of. So I just told her, I was like, you set the example for me that I can like land on my two feet. I'll be okay. That's a good example too. Shout out to your mom. Shout out to moms for sure. And for everyone listening, like your parents are both from Mexico, right? Yes. Yeah, my mom's from Sinaloa. She was born in Culiacan. And my dad's from Nayarit, from Tepic, which is the capital. And when did they come to the United States? 1989. So it's been, they came Independence, Mexican Independence Day of 1989, September 16th. Yeah. So this year would be 30 years. Cool. 30 years. Wow. Awesome. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah. So, so you're talking about your start your management company 
And how long into the management company did you start the solidarity for Sanctuary? So actually, I was actually just talking to a friend about this, about how the impact of both Miha and like the Sanctuary series kind of just went in tandem, where I literally bought the Miha domain name two days prior to meeting Kuko. Oh, wow. Literally two days before I met him, February 17th, 2019. And then I saw 2017. Then I saw him at a backyard show that Saturday. And I had originally approached him to like play the Solidarity for Sanctuary show at the Hi Hat. And um, he had never played a venue before. So he's like, yeah, I'm down. Like, you know, his parents were undocumented as well before. So like he understands that and like is a big advocate for the immigrant community. So he's like, for sure, like, like, let's do it. And I was like, you can sell your own merch, all this stuff. Like you keep the funds, all that. And so then um, I asked someone, I was like, do you have like a manager I can talk to to like sort out all the logistics with? And he's like, no, nah, I don't. And I was like, oh, really? We should like hang out <laughs> and, oh, like, wow. and like talk if you need any advice. Like I'm That's here. Nice. I'd yeah. love to like know more of like what you want to do um, because there's like very few of us like first gen kids out here in right. this industry. So like if you just need like somebody to rely on like i'm here yeah and we literally met up for tacos the next day and just talked for like four hours and then just decided to test run it and we just kind of never looked back since then so then the solidarity for sanctuary series literally started a month after that we had the first one march 26th 2017 and kuko played it mm-hmm. he headlined that one and that was his, it, okay. yeah that was his first venue show that was his first headline show like that too um, How many tickets? Three hundred fifty. Three fifty. Sold okay. out. Yeah. Wow. Sold out. Okay. Yeah. How'd you spread the word? Was it Kuko fans that sold it out, or was it like your? your it was fans? a mixture. Okay. So we had like five bands play that night. A couple DJs. We okay. had like local vendors in on board as well, and it was just something where there was a lot of like my friends and like our community and our music community that like helped spread it. I mean. At the time, it was like a, you know, it felt like a very small like niche of people. But they sold it out. I think at the heart of it was just like to, for people to understand that this was to raise funds for my mother, you know, right. yeah. so that was for her first round of legal fees. So that was something that like, you know, brought tears to my eyes to like see how many people I came bet. out and supported. But that was when the first, yeah, the first solidarity for Sanctuary happened. And then we just did them like every other month from there that year. Um, and I love doing it that much that year. And I, because I think it brought community together, but after that it became like very unrealistic to keep up the momentum of every other month to do something in order for us to work on something that's larger and more impactful. You know? Right. Well, how many have you thrown? So in total we've done 10, 10, okay. 10 I believe. Wow. And one was oh, in no, New York or more, 11. Yeah. One was in New York. Our first one in New York was last year okay. with Lincoln center. Yeah. And how many tickets was that? That so the summer programming that now we're doing. Um, so same thing with Central Park this year. It's right. free. Congratulations, Thank by the way. Thank you. I That's appreciate huge. that. huge. Summer stage, Central Park. But yo, a dream, an absolute dream. And it's something that we didn't ex- know what to expect when it came to the attendance. Because for Lincoln Center out of doors, the seated capacity is 2,600. Yeah. And there was over 4,000 people that showed up that wow. day. Like people were lining up since nine in the morning. Lincoln Center didn't expect that. Quite frankly, I didn't expect that. I think like, I was just like, we'll see how it goes. You know, like it's been advertised enough. There's been like a lot of people behind this. Like, we'll just see how it goes. And then we showed up that day and it was just overflowing where it was just the variety of community members from like the homeless community to 
like abuelitos with their with their kids oh, and their kids that's kids special. and like, yeah that was very special that was really good but yes yeah, so our first one in new york last year and then second one in new york this summer so august 18th central park summer that's so cool i'm excited a great time for a great cause it's gonna be good yeah we're gonna try to come here for like a week and like do a little takeover and do some other fun things too so talk to us a little bit about the like the selena theme too that you throw in there so basically the first solidarity for sanctuary was march 2017 and then our second one was may 2017 and for that one i decided that we should do like a selena tribute spinoff so Google played that, August Eve played that, um, a couple other folks DJed. And so it's something that like Selena is such a, a legacy to our community. I think specifically representing like what it means to be like first or second generation within the United States as like a Mexican American. And I think what she represented in bringing that, our community together on like a global level was something that like is still unmatched to this day. And what she represents is like a real beacon of light to our community. And so Everyone loves Selena. And yeah. so I like, let's throw a Selena tribute, called it Selena for Sanctuary and, and just redirected the funds there. So like Me Too did like a, a piece on our first one when they were running the 11 for 11 million um, program when they were like trying to like gather like $11 donations for people to, in conjunction with like the 11 million undocumented immigrants that are here in the United States. So we did that and that's what really showed like pfft, like everyone pulled up for that one where I'm like, who are you? I don't even know you. Like, thank you for being here. And wow. so that was the one where, and it was a 21 plus one too. Cause oh, it, was, wow. it was the only venue that we could have grabbed at that time. Like Kuko could even come and hang out inside. It was so sad. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, I'm figuring this out, bro. I'm sorry. Oh, um, but then we just kept continuing it. And then we ended that year with another Selena for Sanctuary. We, we raised money for a scholarship for um, undocumented college students at my alma mater, which was really dope. Shout out to the Dream Co-op who are doing really good work out there. Um, and then it was in January of 2018 when I was approached by Lincoln Center to do, like they wanted to do a Selena tribute for the out of door season. And I talked to them about the Selena for Sanctuary series because Kuko's agent is the one who like let them know like, hey, if you're going to try to do a Selena thing, like talk to her. Cool. And so the, the stars like all aligned and this is when, actually this was right before Kuka played New York last year, elsewhere. Oh, wow. So that's funny timing, but um, crazy, timing. crazy timing. And so then that's when we're like, okay, cool. I guess we're just going to buckle down and really work on doing like a larger event. And that was so hard. <laughs> that was difficult, but beautiful. And like, just to see the, the impact of what it was of it being a combination of like, New York in the summer, which is magical. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it's like free programming, which just opens the doors to so many more people to be a part of it. For sure. It, the energy was incredible. It, oof, yeah. I can't wait to see how it turns out with Central Park this year. Cause I've never been to a summer stage show either. It's fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Oh my God. I, I'm excited for you. It um, looks great too. Yeah. The production for this year looks really dope. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, so you mentioned, you met Kuko when he still had never performed at a venue doing backyard backyard shows. Mm-hmm. And you said that, you know, you offered to help him out, found out he didn't have a manager, but more than just seeing him be able to like bring a crowd and do a show, like what was it about Kuko or anyone you manage right now? Cause I know you manage a few, a handful mm-hmm. of people. Like, what are you looking for in an artist? Like, is it humility? Is it like hunger? Like, like what is it about Kuko that you were like, wow, I should work with this guy. Well, the thing about Kuko is I 
it's always going to be a gut feeling at the end of the day uh, for me. And I hope that it's that way for anybody else who's running around this place where like people try to throw numbers your way and like, oh, they did this many impressions on this oh, day. Right. Like, like when people try to pitch me people to, to pick up and I'm like, it's always going to be a gut thing for me if it stirs me inside and it causes like a fire in my belly to be like, oh my God, this is going to shift culture and like shift the way people listen to music and the way that people start making music too. Like that's the thing that if it's going to be like an impactful moment like that, if not, then like it's not worth it. You right, know? Yeah. And, and I think to under, to be aligned with artists that where we can bridge like music with social impact is like a really important thing to me because if we don't align there, then we won't align down the line. Anyway, so with Kuko, I saw a video of his on Twitter where he was working on his song, Don't Make Me Fall In Love. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. He produces everything. Um, and then I fell down the rabbit hole of his music. And then I heard Amor De Siempre. And I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. Like This is like bolero, like mariachi inspired with this trumpet solo. It's full in Spanish. But then it has like this like alternative, like chill like right. synth pop thing going on i was like i can't put my finger on it and that was the thing I was like if i can't put my finger on it where it, it bends so many genres and and melts everything into something that it's own like that was when i saw i was like wow this kid kuko is gonna have a whole lane that he can just like sprint through and like kind of really carry the flag for where when i went to go see him at that backyard show and all the kids were singing every single lyric. There was like 150 to like 200 teenagers there. I was the oldest person there and I was 23. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was a, and that packed, is young. That and is it was a young. packed backyard. And he was playing out wow. of a garage. And um, yeah, when he gave me chills when they were singing all the lyrics in Spanish too. And I was like, wow, this is such a That's specific cool. community where like I needed a this when I was a teenager. And like they get to have it now. And like, these are the people that are going to champion him every single step of the way and they have. And so when I first saw Kuko and like it really struck that in my stomach, I was like, wow, like this is going to shift everything. And so same thing goes with any of the other artists that we work with, like with August Eve, like with Inner Wave. Um, and we're going to start working with this girl, La Doña, which I'll show you. I haven't cool. shown you yet. This is a secret. She's She'll be a part of our family soon. <laughs> um, but again, like her, she's from San Francisco, grew up playing in a family conjunto band, teaches mariachi to first graders That's in cool. San Francisco, is a part of the movement of really standing up for her community and her culture in the face yeah. of gentrification in San Francisco. And I think like when you see somebody who stands for something and like their music is its is its own thing, it isn't mirroring anybody else and it's just so them that you can't put your finger on it. Like that's like the the thing for me at least. I mean, that's how it should be for everyone. I hope so. Sounds yeah. You're I leading with your heart, your feelings, your emotions. Like that that's smart. And you have to when like this job is 24 seven and a half, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's something that if you are not a thousand and one percent passionate about, yo, you're going to be miserable. <laughs> you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> you're going to be so sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. That's great to hear. That's really, that's refreshing. Um, so I wanted to real quick before we move on from, uh, your management company, like how does it work? Like how many people are involved in like, like, cause you're working with so many artists that it's like from the outside, like people really only see you but is there like a whole team yeah. or, and how does it work like with you and your time like when you were stuck in the airport yesterday were you were you just like 
buckle down. This is my time to go through my inbox or like, like, how does your management company operate? So it's been growing over the last two-ish years. So I have a partner. Her name is Jasmine Vargas. And I team up with her on August Eve. And she manages Jasper Bones and has picked up this other amazing band, Royal Jag, that I've known them since I was in high school, which is a real trip that like That's full circle. Cool. And wow. I'm so happy that she's working with them. Their music is incredible. And so um, in between Jazz and I, obviously we oversee our own clients, but we'll put our heads together when it comes to the overall, the company, when it comes to marketing and social media and and our next events and that whole thing. And uh, with Kuko and with Interwave, they have a day-to-day manager. So that really is a huge load. Yeah, off. for sure. And so she's incredible. Shout out to Sadie. Oh, it's the same person. Uh, yeah. No, or so different person. Oh, so okay. yeah. So Jazz handles her own. Um, and then so I hired so our first employee was Sadie last okay. year. And she first started off as like my assistant slash like helping run day to day for Kuko. Um, and then with Interwave, I have a co-manager, Crystal Anderson, and she's incredible and is a total badass over at Golden Voice Marketing Ninja over there. She's amazing. Um, but with that, we really needed that extra layer of support where like Interwave is putting out, put out, just put out an EP this year and like just wrapped up their tour and, and, and all that. So Sadie holds down the floor on with day-to-day motion of Kuko and Interwave. And then I just hired my first assistant. Ooh, congratulations. Thank you. I hired her last month. She was a superstar intern and has like just been such a heart of service and like a joy to be around. And it was just the right timing where like Lord knew I needed it. (laughs) So she was your intern first. Bad, bad, bad. Yeah, for a few months. So was she doing the same stuff that she's doing now or has the role drastically changed? The role has changed where like when I, as an intern, I was given work yeah. <laughs> as an intern and I was doing it for free. Okay. And like, no one offered me to pay for my food sometimes. Like, it was just like, oh, like I had an interesting intern experience or intern experiences. I was like crazy and did like five internships before, like in two years before I graduated. I just needed to find a footing to get yeah. a job to, to get hustling, out of there and yeah. tried, you know, but the thing is I was hustling when I was like going to school full time. I was serving tables on the weekend and I was interning like four days a week and like commuting from Orange County to LA. And I wasn't getting paid for these internships that I was spending all this gas money off of. So wow. I can't even think of free time at that point. Oh, there was no free time. <laughs> I literally had no days off. It was wow. wild until I quit my serving job after I got hired or like literally right before I got hired from my first job, like in the middle of the semester of my last, my last semester of college, I didn't know what a day off meant. Like my whole last year of school was just like, you're trying to get out of here. Like you're trying to get a job, like just buckle down. You'll be fine. Um, but I wouldn't recommend that to everybody. <laughs> it's, it's, it can get pretty miserable. But um, Jeannie was like that, though. So she was just hustling. Oh, so she yeah. reminded you of yourself. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, cool. She, she's a good one. Um, so now with the support of her, that's been like really great. Because like yesterday, I was like spent all day arguing with American Airlines attendants. So like in between, like in line, like trying to answer people, at least on mobile with like, the shit reception that is the LAX (laughs) and like trying to connect to like the little Wi-Fi's, but it expired after 30 minutes. And like, this it was so annoying. You got to reconnect. Oh my God. It's miserable. And so then when I finally was able to leave that terminal, I just like, laid down for 15 minutes in the Astro turf. (laughs) (laughs) The the airport where I was like, 
I need it. I just need to breathe. Um, but, um, and then we have uh, a couple interns as well. Uh, cool. So Rico Taylor just graduated from UCLA, incredible human being. Uh, we had another intern, Ricky Brosio, who was like the general manager of the radio station over at LMU. KXLU, which is a really dope station in LA. Um, and then this amazing girl, Emily, and is a part of like the USC music industry program who she like runs this um, promoter company with her friends where it started off as a group project called Sleaze Hog, where it's like punk show specifically for like the LGBTQ plus like POC community. So that they book a lot of acts in that like vein and just like kind of provide community and safe space for them. Sounds so like a good group of people. We really try to bring in some really good folks where yeah. like they, you know, wouldn't have the opportunity to be in like spaces like these if, if people didn't like just like just open a door, you know, That's they just, wonderful. they just need that door open. <laughs> I know a lot of people struggle with like delegating tasks and like being able to work with other people, especially yeah. around their babies, like, like your baby, like Kuko or whoever mm-hmm. you consider like your, your pride and joy yeah. with this job. Like, did you do that out of necessity or was it something you planned? Like you sat down you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hire this person to handle this. Or was it really like you just, it, it got to the point where you needed that. It was so necessary. Yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, it was last year when I was drowning, you know, I yeah. mean like in, I'm pretty transparent about this, but it's like, I'm 25 years old. I started this company at 23 and to, you've done a lot in two years. It's been wild. You've done a lot in two years. And so the, the, <laughs> the rate that it's grown, it didn't allow me much room to like take my time to like, like really like dive into my own leadership skills and, and to know when I needed to fill in certain pockets. I just had to do it. Yeah. And so when I felt like I was drowning, I was like, oh no, like I can't do this. I feel like I'm like, I'm falling behind. Like I don't like this feeling of, of constantly just like grasping at, at the things that like, okay, I need to get this and this and this done. Cause I was like, this isn't like it. I don't know. My, not to get too much into astrology here, but my moon is in Taurus and like Tauruses are like really hard on themselves. Yo, <laughs> like too hard on themselves. Like we beat ourselves up like hard and so yeah it felt like out of necessity where like i need another set of hands to help me with everything going on um because obviously jazz has everything going on with her own clients as well and like she was side hustling too like doing a and r coordinator gigs and all this so um i needed it and so that was just yeah i was like i knew i needed it so then i just filled it <laughs> how'd, you, how'd you find her like how'd you reach out sadie actually i've known her for a few years and then she started working with us like on the road so she was like doing all of kuko's like merch managing and like assisting his tour manager and so she already knew the ins and outs of like okay. our team and like how kuko is and and so it was a no-brainer for me where i was like okay this is the person that i feel could most seamlessly fit into our world and like although like you know not any of us had a crazy experience going into this one. Like I knew that she can just grow into the role and like learn along the way. And she's like eager and really like passionate about what we're doing. Like as Miha, as like, as a movement, as like what we're doing to like help our community and our cult and like preserving our culture too. Like she just understood it. So it just like, it just fell into place at the right time. Yeah. Hearing so much about your company. I want to like, buy and wear merch now <laughs> i know huh? we need to we need to roll out some merch I'll, I'll send you something yeah talk to ugly primo about that one hey shout out adrian i've known him since college really mm-hmm. yeah he's the nicest guy ever he really is adrian 
I'll send you the timestamp for this. <laughs> so you don't have to listen to the whole thing if you don't want to. But oh he is God. such a good dude. All the work you guys have done with him, amazing. He's amazing. I remember when he first hit me up when he was thinking about putting his art, his like original art up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what do you think about these names? Like it was before Ugly Primo, it was supposed to be Ugly Compa. And we're literally in the text back and forth. He's like, oh, wait, what about Ugly Primo? I was like, nah, that's it, dude. Like, that's it. And, and so when whenever chance that we could, like, I wanted to throw something his way because I knew he had so much potential and that, like, he just deserved eyes. So it was crazy how it worked out where we needed artwork for the Chiquito EP. Yeah. Super in the 11th hour. And oh, he really? always comes through. Yeah. And so we did that. And then that's when it turned out when like, Apple... Um, approached us about Kuko being the artist of the month for for the month of May. And is that when they did the billboards and everything? Yeah, so that's when Adrian's art was everywhere and I was so stoked to see all the billboards and like the murals and the the barricades and all that. Like he deserves it, so. Man, you don't forget people. (laughs) No, that's if you do me dirty. Oh my God. Oh my God, I meant (laughs) in a good way. (laughs) I'm just just kidding, I'm just kidding. You know, I don't forget people. Especially along the way where like you see the people that you align with you've collaborated with and that have like helped push you to yeah. where it's like you just want that to be a cycle of of good you know yeah. well everyone who's like listening to this adrian is ugly primo on twitter instagram just at ugly primo and his work is amazing so yeah. shout out to him follow for good content yeah and good yeah great memes um <laughs> great memes yeah los, los memes he is As so they funny. Say. <laughs> um, so real quick about touring, like I, I've tour managed actually. I don't know if you know that, but I tour managed hey. five tours, and so I see all saw a lot of the ins and outs. But I wanted to ask you. I saw you guys did Europe recently, yes, and I saw that you said that you bought your first um, bootleg merch while you were on tour. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What, I don't remember what city that, that was, was in Chile. Oh wow! Okay, so that was amazing. <laughs> so you guys did Europe, you did South America, like hmm. all over the place. Like, talk to us a little bit about. Cause I know a lot of people are interested in touring and like show setup and advancing shows yeah. and like talk to us a little bit about like doing shows early on. Cause I know that like now I'm sure like the booking agent is really involved and really helping out. Yeah. But like anything that like you could give as a tip for someone who's like trying to do a show, like whether it's like sound check and like how important sound check is or isn't or like anything like that about like setting up a show yeah well i mean the at the inception of setting up a show i think find a great promoter that really loves what you're doing and and is actually going to think about you when needing a first of three or direct support or that kind of thing if like they're looking to grow in that space before they headline like a big thing for us was um the promoter Renee Contreras in, okay. in LA. If you know of him, he runs this festival called Viva Pomona. Um, and also, if you heard of this little festival called Coachella, they <laughs> they gave him <laughs> this, the Sonora it. stage. That's so, so he cool. Renee is the one who's really bringing in all the Latin and, and waving that flag for us at Coachella, which is awesome. He's incredible and he came to Cuco's first venue show, which is the first sanctuary show. Cool. And ever since then, it was like, Literally a couple of weeks after that, he's like, I have this support slot at the Echoplex. It's like, too, is it too much too fast? I was like, nah, let's go. And then from there, like we did a headline show together at The Smell. And then we did another headline show together as a sideshow at Union for Viva. And then he headlined Kuko at Viva Pomona. And then the year after that, he booked him for Coachella. This so, is all before booking agent. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. that's so cool. So, well, Renee came in 
around then. And then Paradigm came in around May oh, of okay. that year. So it was like Renee came in first and Renee is actually the one who introduced me to Google's booking agents. I see. Okay. So bless his heart. He really like set us up and he really wanted to see Kuko and I win. So really, really grateful for him championing us and that because I was a young manager and like, oh, yeah. who's going to listen to me when like, okay, like I have like, I know X, Y, and Z person and like, I've done good work here and there as an intern and then as a day-to-day and tour manager, but I was still very baby in this industry. I still am. But now thankfully I have like a, a decent reputation behind what we're doing. But before when I was trying to prove myself, we were like, who the hell is this girl? <laughs> I go, who, who's Kuko? <laughs> and sure. it wasn't until they obviously saw the numbers of, of him selling out these shows and Amy and Devin at Paradigm really believed in, in what we're doing. And so literally Devin met with me on his way to Mexico city and then it happened. So, but before they really came in, it was like, we were doing these shows where when you're first managing, you're like a one-stop shop, like you're everything. Everything. Yeah. So I was tour manager. I was booking agent. I was merch manager. I was everything. And so, but it was at the time where like, that's actually sustainable, decently sustainable. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, if you're an artist that, has a very specific sound, sound check is gonna be incredibly important. And like, if you can afford a front of house of your own, awesome. But if you can't, then just trust the people who are working, working it for the house and, and always be nice to your sound guy. Oh my God. Always, 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 always. Don't be that person. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be that person. Be nice to, to your production folks and to your sound folks, even when they're not that nice. Because they're not going to be nice because they deal with assholes like all the time <laughs> and yeah. they're probably really tired. And and it's so funny, like the amount of nice versus not nice production folks I've met in my lifetime. You can only imagine what the percentage <laughs> is. Um, but I think, yeah, soundtrack is incredibly important. You don't want the sound guy to be mad at you and make you sound like shit. That's a great point because a lot of people don't even realize the people you interact with at Soundcheck are the same people controlling the sound while you're while performing. While you're playing, yeah. <laughs> Always say your please and thank you. Yeah. It's like learn people's names, yeah. look at them in the eye, really express your gratitude wherever you go. And right. like it'll make your life so much easier. It is so much easier to be nice than it is to be a dick. Yeah. Honestly. Even if you're having a bad day. Even if you're having it. a bad day. Yeah, just be it. nice. Just be cordial. Just be chill. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, no one's going to really react well to yelling to like nobody wants to communicate that way so like let's just save the yelling match and like we'll be okay yeah (laughs) we'll be just fine um especially like if you are a young female artist Mm -hmm. too and you have to deal with certain kinds of men along the way too and you have to be firm but like not be a bitch it's like a really interesting like line to straddle where a lot of the times like men just wouldn't even introduce themselves to me. Like they would introduce, they would go and like shake Google's store manager's hand, but like then totally ignore you. Mm-hmm. And then he would turn around and be like, Hey, you should meet Google's manager, Doris, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's one of those, you really have to assert yourself in a certain way. Um, but then like, if you come across as a bitch, then like, I guess so, you know, it's just the name of the game in a way, but just yeah, be above to, it. You do have to get your respect. Yeah, you can just kind of be above it at the end of the day because, like, like I tell like any of the the boys that we work with, or when we deal with certain like situations, or um, it's like you have to be above it at the end of the day. It's like you control your own actions, and you're going to be a reflection of you, and like your reputation is always going to precede you. So, like, no matter what, if somebody threw some shit in your way, like, whatever, you're going to look cooler for like not reacting the way they wanted you to react. 
yeah deal with that but that's great advice from someone who's lived it (laughs) yeah i mean when i was touring for the first time and i really had to learn every step of the way of how to deal with different personalities how to communicate with different kinds of people you just have to learn through experience because it's not something that someone's going to give you a textbook and be like you know like everything you need to know about the music business amazing bible always reference (laughs) that but it's not going to give the context of when a sound engineer is throwing a thing and like the merch person isn't there on time. And you know, you just really have to like learn through the waves of like your own experiences. So when it comes to the rest of touring, I mean, always be early, early is on time. On time is late. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to just having enough hands on deck, like there is always going to be somebody who wants to learn about this, who's always eager to be in these spaces. And so Obviously, be mindful of who you invite in your world, but like accepting help when it is needed is always a big thing, um, too. I think when it comes to the first, the early times, too, where like <laughs> Kuko played this festival in Arizona, like in May of 2017. So, this was like something that we had booked through a guy that Kuko knew that like it was a part of like that more like rap scene of like. Fat Nick and like Ski okay. Mask yeah, and like yeah, that yeah. whole thing. And Kuko was invited to play this oh, festival, wow. which was so random. But it was like the Sounds budget. Fun, though. It was wild. It was <laughs> low key a mess, but we learned <laughs> where it was. It was something that um, understanding how to get there on time <laughs> when the whole free, the whole highway shut down. Oh my God. For a point when we're on the way from California to Arizona, it was like our first out of state thing. Like we got an Airbnb where like the, we did not smoke in that Airbnb at all, but obviously the guys smoke down the street from the Airbnb and right. they'll come back. They smell like smoke. Mm-hmm. And so the Airbnb guy like lit me up. Like it was like a whole thing. Aww. I was like, oh, this is a learning experience. You would, you would smell like smoke even if you just went to the show. Right? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, we would not disrespect your property like that, but all right, bet. Like that's yeah. cool. Um, I think it's just, you know, crossing off everything on your to-do list of like from merch to to sound, to logistics, to yeah, to travel to accommodation, to when it comes to advancing a show, always do that early. Um, and just make sure to communicate every bit of your needs and like, cause they will prepare it. You just need to tell them time. Cause if you're telling somebody like a day before, we're like, hey, all of a sudden we're shifting to this like 16 inch LED, like 16 foot LED wall. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, how are you gonna accommodate this? Yeah, um, at that point they could care less. Yeah, everything in due time. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, one more thing for advice for anyone listening. I wanted to ask you to say as much or as little about like getting a record deal as possible. Like I was really curious from what I've seen, you guys got a great deal with Kuko and I just wanted to know like, what was the most like important part of the deal? Like what was something that you were like, we don't budge here or like when you got your deal, you went home and you and Kuko text each other and you're like, wow, we did it. Like this is, this is, this is what made it cool for us. You know, terms. 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 It wasn't the money. It was terms. Okay. Always. I think like a lot of artists are like, I need a record deal in order to make it. You need a good team. 
that's what you need. You don't need a record. People deal. need to rewind and you hear need, that you again. Need a good <laughs> you need a good team. Because at the end of the day, it'll always lie on that. Your and you're talking is, about the people you sign with. Uh, yes, that. And like the team you already have yeah, in place. Yeah. yeah, the team. Like you need a great manager. You need a great booking agent. You need a great publicist. You need a great attorney. Yeah. Um, you need a good business manager when it gets to that point. But at the end of the day, if you have a great publicist manager and booking agent and you're putting out great music and like you just have like there's amazing distribution options as well in order to build to get to the point of needing a deal. And like there's no shame in taking a deal early on, but I think it's just understanding your needs and like the kind of people you want to work with, the kind of people you want to align with. When it came to us, when in 2017, I met Kuko right after he put out songs for you on his own. Like he put that mixtape up on his own, like with like CD baby. Okay. And then he wanted to put out Locasiento. So we just did Locasiento for the summer and did nothing else that year. But it was crazy. We're like, we had no other music to work, but Locasiento is what really opened up every door for Kuka. And we didn't have a publicist. How'd you put it out? We didn't. Just through CD baby too. Oh, yeah, okay. I was learning along the way too, where I was like, I didn't know any like great contacts like different distribution companies and all this stuff i was like let's just do that and like i'll like work it through you know the people that we already know and then it just that was the song that just opened every door for us where yeah. it opened the door for like spotify playlisting and like apple music really supporting it and like remesla and me too and then like just local press like la times and like la weekly and, and different things like that and that's when it started seeding into the bigger picture like we didn't work with Orienteer until we started doing the rollout for the Chiquito EP. And so that was a year that we were being helicorded by major labels as well. And like where the deal left off on like when it first started negotiations, like, yo, it's really funny to see what the first offer looked like. And then like what the deal. (laughs) From the same company or just in general? Actually, yeah wow yeah well you guys um, deserve it though i mean you. you guys never gave up i appreciate it taking it to the top so yeah i mean a, a big thing that we budged on where like kuko wasn't gonna give up his rights his masters and like he makes 100 percent of his music and that was something that we really had to sit down on and be like where is the hard line like where is the deal breaker yeah and it was terms it was like if he was gonna get a license or not we were gonna be totally equipped and fine to do this independently if none of the major labels wanted to really buckle in and 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 move forward in the way the industry should be moving forward which is in a license structure at least i understand like why for certain artists like they can't make that happen if they're giving you x amount of money and if they're investing early on like there's obviously so many factors that go into every single deal that make every single deal incredibly unique yeah they're all different yeah Mm -hmm, because i know people are calling for like the kuko deal now which is really funny (laughs) which is really really funny because at the end of the day, like riddle me this, an artist that like has full sold out touring internationally and has that many millions of streams and that many and that much of a social engagement mm-hmm. online and offline. Right. Like what other artists was at that point in the ideal negotiations to actually call for that kind of a deal? Because people were like, yo, like so crazy. And like, it is so crazy. We work really friggin' hard for it to get in that place and we were ready to walk away too at the thing is that was the thing that we weren't going to be faced if we went major and not like right. we had a, an amazing independent like 
distributor shout out AWOL and the whole cobalt system they're incredible oh, what cool. they do on a global yeah, yeah, level yeah, yeah. AWOL is awesome yeah they are awesome and we did the Chiquito EP with them and like they made Google a real priority and at the end of the day when the deal got into the right place with the right major and the right A&R and the right team behind it that's when Google felt like okay let's do it then and it took a very long time when recording started spring of 2017 we didn't sign a deal until January of 2019 Bring it when? 2017. Oh my God. It was almost two years. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. And it wasn't until like right after Kuko's accident last year when like he really decided on like who he wanted to move forward that with. Was and a then scary we had to moment. put, yeah, that was life. That was so thrown scary. at us real hard. But it, it caused us to just take a moment to pause and reassess absolutely everything. Everything was on the table. And when life, when a life or death situation comes your way like that, like you, you have to, and it allows you to just shift perspective and really see what matters. Yeah. Yeah. And thankfully everyone's okay. Yeah. It's really a miracle that all those dudes survived yeah, that kind of a, of a situation, which is. Yeah. I remember really that day wild. and everyone saw the like the posts go up and everyone kind of like sent you prayers and positive thoughts. And I think I literally looked back at our text messages when I hit you up the other day and like I saw that because it was so many people that I just didn't get back to at that time. I went MIA, yo. It was like so many people sent emails, calls, text messages, Instagram and all that. And I was so grateful to feel the amount of people that were really in our corner and praying for us and caring about us. But I had 10 lives on yeah, my hands yeah, yeah, 10 yeah, sets yeah, of parents yeah, yeah. to deal with to like it insurance medical bills um therapy physical therapy travel accommodations um all the personal belongings that we had to take from the truck and the tow yard even opening the tow yard like that was a whole situation and like thankful for our team that flew down with me and so that way i wouldn't have to do it alone but like that was really testing. I was 24 when that happened. And like no manager ever wants to get that kind of a call, but to get that call that early in my career and that early in Kuko's career, we're like, what the hell is going on? Like we just did an international run in Europe and Asia. Like he had just played his first weekend of ACL. Yeah. Like he was in the middle of supporting Caliucci's on tour as well. And he was just going to do some headline dates in between ACL weekends and then all of a sudden like a life-threatening crash happens and you're like oh shit like life is really a trip huh it's really gonna just throw you in a loop like that and just change everything in the blink of an eye yeah that's crazy that's so crazy um well I'm happy everyone's okay and one thing I wanted to ask you like is there anything that you're doing right now as far as like tips or apps or habits like any habit you have that's like that you're seeing work for you that you wish you would have done when you started managing like is there any phone app or computer app or do you Ooh. wake up early and do yoga or like is there anything that you like you you really like hype on right now i think a morning routine morning routine is like really 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 so vital i think living do you know who sycamore is i do know of you know him, him personally no Haven't. shout out to sycamore i'll introduce you he loves morning routines and the yeah. fact that you just said that made me light up because oh. it's so he's necessary all about it, yeah. it's that's your time 
That is your time to set up your day, set up your mind, your heart, your everything, your body. And I think like as a manager, you are so selfless as your career that like you need to give yourself at least one moment in the day and to set yourself up in the right way. And so with, I mean, that being said, like in the morning, I try to squeeze in like a walk or like if I don't have time to like go out like that, I'll just like quickly like do 20 minutes of like something to get like my heart going. Okay. And then I'll jump in the shower and go if I'm like waking up late. The thing that I hate the most is like waking up in a hurry. Yeah. And then I just feel like I I don't even have enough time to really get my mind in, in the right like speed to like really take on the day and just go hard because I'm still like, you know, um, you don't have that time for yourself to like decompress a minute as well. Like if you give yourself a moment before you go to bed and then when you wake up, it's like made a really big difference for me. Um, so going for a walk or exercising. Something like that. Yeah. The thing is with LA, we are at a disadvantage just because of like time zone wise. Right, so like when yeah. I wake up, my phone's already blown up by the UK. My phone's already starting to get blown up by New York. So I really have to set like a do not disturb for like at least a half an hour. <laughs> at least a half an hour. And like it'll wait. If it like it'll wait. It yeah. can always wait. Yeah, for sure. But when it comes to everything else, like I like the obviously task list on Gmail is great. Um shout out Slack. Slack, Slack. is Slack is great. You I, like Slack, okay. I cool. wish I got on it earlier and got oh, into really? a better rhythm with that because i'm so old school where i'm like writing my to-do list always i mean i will always write my to-do list like i always have to see it but yeah i think like if there is anybody listening oh my bad <laughs> i just breathed and a burp came out but if anybody's listening who has some really sick apps send them my way because i'm always down to try something tweet them at you yeah tweet them yo please <laughs> tweet at me yo tweet at me um last what's up last question is there any like major goal for 2019 like mm-hmm. like is there like one thing that you're thinking about right now now that we're like halfway through the year yeah actually um we've decided to make solidarity for sanctuary an official nonprofit. Official nonprofit. Congratulations. Thank you so much. That is so cool. Uh, so you got to do the pipe paperwork or what? Yeah. So we're diving into the paperwork and really kind of keeping an eye out of who would be down to be a part of the board um, to start sending up like fundraising opportunities and stuff because just realizing how impactful this series has been on our community and what we're doing in, as a whole and like this music community as well. Um especially as we're going into an election year. Yeah. I think it's like really important to like galvanize this momentum and like this kind of energy with people to like unite them even more. Um, to really try to get this administration flipped around because it's really hard for us right now just to see the presence and aggression of ice just elevating every single day, seeing what's happening to these families at detention centers, um, sure. Yeah. And seeing what's happening as a whole at the border, um, too, with like these border towns and how dangerous it is, um, is just something that it's like that I've always been obviously incredibly passionate about with, but I have to be realistic with how everything is going on. Like I need a team to yeah. work that and like be that's their MO. And so what we're all, our goal will always be to uplift the organizations that are 
doing the work in the trenches. Um, it's something where like our mission will always just be to redirect and highlight and empower and amplify the message of those organizations that truly need the help, that truly need the funding. Um, so yeah, so making it a foundation this year is starting. That's like the big, big one for this year. I mean, obviously Kuko's album is coming out next month too. So sure. that's been like a big <laughs> thing that we've just been working on forever, but it's there, it's done. It's in production. It's vinyl day in, like we are that's ready so to cool. go. Um, so, I mean, I think those like the two big things of this year to see how impactful Kuko's debut album really yeah. will be and how Kuko has always been a part of what we've been doing with the sanctuary series. And it's always been like our, like kind of like ambassador Yeah. when it comes to that. So it's something that like, you know, he'll, he'll return for the Selena for sanctuary for central park um, in August. And we're working on the, the big LA one uh, cool. finally, because we haven't done one of the scale that we did in New York last year in LA, which blows my mind since that's like our home. Right. Yeah. Um, but this year we'll be teaming up with grand park on that one. So we'll be making a huge old statement in front of city hall in LA in the fall date to be announced. (laughs) You're doing such great work. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So inspirational. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. And what's crazy is it all just, it's like it all helps each other and it all is like for a good cause. So, yeah, that's I think really cool. That's like when when you mentioned like how the Sanctuary series started like after Miha, like they've just kind of been high fiving each other along yeah. the way. Where I think like specifically what why I started Miha was to create space and a community for folks like us in the music industry. Where like you know not to like knock on Sony or anything, but I was interning there for a whole school year and I did not see not one other Latino in that building. We're in LA. Mm-hmm. How do you have a building in Los Angeles <laughs> <laughs> and not have any Latinos working in the general market at all? We are the general market. Yeah. And I want them to understand that. And I want the industry to understand that, that we can't just keep getting pushed into these Latin corners where obviously that's a massive part of our identity and we're never going to forsake that. But we are the general market. The Latina buying power is the most powerful. So why aren't you guys serving that and putting Latinas in executive positions if they have the context and the knowledge of that community and seeing how powerful that community is in the way that Latin music is moving forward in a space where it crosses over. Now we are the general market. So welcome us with open arms and give us good positions and money to keep moving it forward. <laughs> well, I hope everyone just heard that. Um, you are living in the future. You are living in the future and we're catching up to you. So very inspirational. Thank you. I thank you so much it. for joining the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me friend. This I appreciate you. This is a great you. talk. This was a great talk and I hope people can get some good nuggets out of it and and take it with them. Yeah. We'll share all your social handles and everything. So you don't have to ramble it off, but sounds good. (laughs) Much love. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, subscribe, rate and review and stay tuned for episodes every Monday.